What a season of NRL it's been so far, and it's early, early days. Uh, good signs for the Warriors. So we'll talk to our next guest, who's uh, very well equipped to talk uh, pretty much anything, really. I could probably ask him for his favourite breakfast cereal, and he'd give us that. Maddie Johns joins us uh, over in Australia. G'day, Maddie. Hello, lads, and uh, I don't have breakfast. Oh, oh, okay. One of those ones. That's the key to success. Yeah. Don't have it. Intermittent yeah. fasting, I, uh, is it? Oh, uh, no, no. It just doesn't sit well on my stomach. <laughs> I get there. Even when I was playing football, I never used to have breakfast, which used to be tricky if I was playing an 8 o'clock game at night. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not a big bre- breakfast man. Uh, I was going to say unfortunately, but anyway, not really unfortunately. <laughs> it keeps a couple of kilos off. <laughs> Manny, um... Do you do, do you do tipping? Are you part of a tipping competition at all for NRL? Uh, look, uh, I am. I don't know. I don't know what tipping comp it is. They just send me through a list and say who you're tipping this week. I've got no idea where it goes, and I've got no idea who sends it to me. I've never. It's, it's been the last three years. I get this text <laughs> message through saying, "Matty, I need your tips," and I just send it off. I've I've actually got no idea. I'm part of something somewhere, so it might be some. I don't know, suburban pub in Cessna where I'm <laughs> running last. But uh, I did all right last week. I mean, first week has got about two or three out of ten. Last week was five, which, given the nature of the competition, uh, isn't too bad. Well, that was that was going to be the question is how you're doing, mate, because everything I've seen um, from, from – like people are struggling to get half 50% over a weekend. It just seems like this year is the most unpredictable competition we've had in a long time. Yeah, it is. You, you you get a true gauge of the form about six rounds in, because it's funny. You look and you'll say uh, you'll have a side you're supporting, and they might drop a game early in the season, and you, and you go, "Oh God, it's going to be one of those seasons." But then all of a sudden, the side that beat you, you know, is, is starting to knock off some of the, the, the top guns. What, what we're seeing with the competition, as predicted, was that some of the, the top sides, the elite sides, have just come off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, of course, you know, if you lose if for Penrith, if you lose Abby Corrissau and you lose Viliami Kikau, it's going to have a big impact. You know, on top of that, you're going for three, you're going for three in a row, and they've lost some pretty good young blokes coming through the coming through the grades as well. So they've come off a little bit. Melbourne Storm, I think this will be the toughest challenge of uh, Craig Bellamy's Storm career because they've really had a lot of depth taken away. Now they've lost Munster. They lost him for two or three weeks. We saw the effect of that last week, and now they've lost Big Nelson, who's their best forward far and away, for eight weeks. Uh, and so, I don't. I, at the start of the season, I saw Melbourne around around fifth, but I tell you what, the next couple of months uh, could define their season. It's going to be it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. So there was actually a lot of games we'd love to talk about over the weekend because some really surprising results. The one that um, we were really interested in was the was the Broncos Cowboys, the Queensland Derby, which is always a is, is always a great matchup. Friday night at Suncorp, and the star of the show was was of course the oh. former Warrior Reese Walsh. And I guess for Warriors fans, it was hard to see Maddie, um, <laughs> hard to see what yeah. we let go. But I also yep. think as well. The problem that we had last year was that Reese, whilst he led all the attacking stats, he also led all of the the year accounts, um, discipline, etc. Yes. It seems like he's just a little bit more mature. He certainly was making better decisions on Friday night. How do you sort of see, I guess, his change moving from the Warriors back to the Broncos and, and how he performed on Friday night? Well, well, I think what it is to a certain extent at the Warriors, there was a real dependency on Reese, and that manifests itself, I think, in two ways. Number one, it puts uh, pressure on Reese, and he feels he's got to overplay his hand. But also, 
in a lot of ways, in sometimes in those instances, in a player's head, it can be an instance of, um, well, you need more, you need me more than I need you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the Broncos right now, he's in a system where Herbie Farnsworth wants to play fullback, Selwyn Cobbo wants to play fullback, and so if he has a couple of stinkers in a row, and starts to come up with some errors, then you know he spots on the line, and I think that you saw. You saw that that natural competition in the side, by the way. Uh, by the way, he played. It was really co- good coaching by by Kevy Walters in, in the fact that they're they're a team who generally attacks from the middle of the field, the Broncos, because that's the preference of the halfback Adam Reynolds. But they opened the field up a little bit more, attacked from wider position, which gave Reese a bit more bit more space and time to use his uh, speed and skill. So it was a really good start. I haven't seen many better first-up performances for a club than what mm. Reese put in. But I, I will say this on the Warriors. I, I'm really, I've been really encouraged by the Warriors in the first two rounds. You, you can see you know, the quality of Andrew Webster's coaching. Uh, they're, they're a lot more staunch in defence. But what I really like about it, and I liked it, I liked it in the trial games, and I, I, I've liked it so far, was that there's a little bit of a return to the Warriors' DNA, mm. where you know, they, they, they've got a really strong power game that challenges teams through the middle of the field. And they're, bit by bit, they're developing their own, own style of football, you know. And I spoke to Kempe about this before. I said, like, like for me, the, what you don't want with the Warriors is playing diet Aussie football. Mm-hmm. Right? Warriors, New Zealand Rugby League have always had their own style of football, which I've always believed was a little bit more English if you want to use that term, then it was Australian because, of course, back in the day, you had a lot of great players playing for the Wigan Warriors and whatnot. Is that, you know, so I, I'm really encouraged by what they're doing. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I know I'm talking to you blokes here, but I've always been a Warriors fan. I just, I just, first and foremost, I love the game rather than being parochial for one particular side. And you want the Warriors going good. Uh, if the Warriors are struggling over there, I can only imagine the challenge because, you know, you, you basically, you know, you. You're sitting alongside the, uh, the the All Blacks, the Bohemoth there. So, you know, for rugby league to go good in New Zealand, you need the Warriors firing. Mm. You know, he knows all the right things to say, doesn't he? he? He's saying all the right yeah. things to say. Look, look, <laughs> I'll say this. What I, do, I didn't mean any of that. No. <laughs> well, we've, the, the we've fa- got our donut for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we've got our promo. Um, it's funny, <laughs> yeah. though, Matt, yeah. because I, I feel like across um, the games over the weekend, of all the teams that lost, I think the Warriors are the only ones that are actually reasonably happy. Everyone else is... All the other yeah. teams that lost, everyone's very, very disappointed when you think about, you know, the Eels who are now 0-2, losing to the Sharks without Nico Hines. The Cowboys were disappointed to lose to the Broncos. You know, let's not talk about that Tigers performance against the Knights. I feel like the Warriors and, our, and the fans are the only ones that are actually sort of happy even though we lost. Yeah, usually, like, I'm sort of watching the game, the first two rounds, uh, through a lot more clarity because I'm in the midst of having 75 days sober. And so usually I've got to watch the game and then go back and watch it two or three other times to really get a feel of what, what, what's happening. But I, was, I had my head in the lion's mouth the other day. I was actually watching the Warriors-Roosters game at the pub, which was really, really difficult, uh, <laughs> sitting, there drinking, uh, sitting there drinking Diet Coke. Anyway, um, but watching the game, the first thing that struck me was I thought, my God, you know, the Roosters is history repeating there. You know, they're struggling for continuity like they did last season this time. But when you watch closer, it, it was the Warriors' defence, you know, that were rushing the ball players and, and 
their supports and the guys who were looking to hit the space. It was their rushing and aggressive defence that forced errors. So on one hand, I'm saying that, you know, looking at the Roosters, saying, well, the Roosters have been a little bit disappointed. But, you, you know, you, those errors they made and that lack of rhythm and continuity was forced upon them by the Warriors. So I... I um, you know, I, my thing with the, with the Warriors is uh, it's it's like when you start to have some success, and I think you you start to see some pretty big improvement over the next few years is that you're able then to retain your players. Like you've got yeah. young guys like you know Reese Walsh is an example, but Katoa mm. has gone you know to the Melbourne Storm. Like they're just they're huge losses. Before that, you had Isaiah Papali. You know, like you've just got to retain those players and I think that like I, I just sort of I hope the Warriors as a club can really start to find their groove again because I mean in a second we're going to talk about you know who the 18th team should be but when the Warriors came into the competition that was going to be the side of Pacifica and there's been a few reasons why it hasn't happened one I think the Warriors dropped the ball there for a number of years and also that region has been raided upon by uh, and, uh, Australian clubs, and also probably more to the point, uh, Australian managers mm. who are going to get the kids. So, secret going ahead to the Warriors is retaining the talent. Yeah, and by winning games and and playing footy like we've seen the the first two weeks and long may it continue, they will become a very uh, a much more viable option for up and coming and, and solid players already. And you've touched on expansion. Um, in rugby, mm. in, in rugby union, in the Super Rugby, we've got Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Drua, who beat the seven-time champions, the Crusaders, in the weekend. Don't know whether you knew that. That has injected yeah. so much life. Expansion into a Pacific Island uh, team for the NRL seems like a no-brainer to me, Matty. No-brainer. And there's discussions over here about 20 teams at the moment. 20 teams is too much. Uh, it just spreads the talent too thin. 18 teams. Absolutely, and it should be Pacifica. Um, over here, there's a talk. There's talk about Adelaide and Perth. Now, the problem, the problem there is this: is that you need, in my opinion, where rugby league is at the moment, you've got to expand into a region that has, you know, that has, that has got a lot of talent. It's not only going to be able to sustain itself, but actually develop players and make other sides. Stronger. I mean, when the Knights came into the competition in 1988, it took they did a lot of convincing to get the lead to bring them in. First couple of years were tough, but then all of a sudden, because it was such a strong junior nursery, you know, we we elevated pretty quickly. And then by the late 90s, we had three sides worth of Newcastle juniors spread throughout the rugby league. So when you expand to where you know you need to expand to areas that have got the capability to do that, as opposed to expanding to an area which basically for the next 20 years is just going to steal from other nurseries. So Pacifica, it's just a no-brainer for a couple of reasons. That, that's, that's number one. But the growth in the area, and on top of that, it just makes sense money-wise. And they say, like, sport and politics don't mix, but it just it always does. Mm. And, you know, I don't know it's made headlines. The Australian government are absolutely desperate for the NRL to get a foothold in the Pacific mm. and have a Pacifica team based in PNG. You know, they would play the home games there, you know, and I'd say there's an opportunity to take a couple of games to Wellington and, and whatnot. 
But uh, to have a side there, simply because, I mean, who would ever thought this, because of the presence of China in the area. They want, foot, they want a foothold there. And mm. it's my belief, I've been told that Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, has spoken to Peter Volandis and basically said, we want it to happen and we will help you make it happen. Wow. And on top of that, you know, PNG, um, you know, there, there's been that want to have the side. It's, it's the national sport there and there's a lot of oil money. There's just so many pluses to make it happen there. I'm not, and I think it should. And it's the, change, it's the changing face of the game, the amount of Pacific Island talent coming through the grades and what they give the game. And they deserve it. Yeah, and you only have to look at what <clears throat> the likes of Fiji and Tonga, particularly Tonga, what they can do when they're playing for their country. And We're completely on board with you, Matty. One team I wanted to talk about, uh, the one I talk about most is the Warriors, but the second most in the last few weeks has been the Dolphins. Uh, this, yeah. this is an incredible arrival. How much is a desire from the players to prove the pundits wrong? We're going we're gonna to make a mark. Is it the genius of Wayne Bennett? I just can't quite believe they're 2-0. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, look, at a lot of, like Wayne, Wayne Wayne's just so clever. You know, Wayne, after that first uh, win where they beat, the Roosters there at Suncorp Stadium in front of almost a full house there. And he went to the press conference and he just sat there. And you could just see how much he'd missed <laughs> coaching in the last 12 months. He sit there with a the smirk. It wasn't so much the cat that ate the canary. It was the, the cat that ate the Avery. <laughs> he was just he was just sitting there. And what Wayne is very, very good at, a couple of things. He's very good at rubbing up against players and looking at his team and knowing what they need, mm. both both collectively and individually and getting the best out of them. And he's very, very good at building a siege mentality. Now, one of the things he said at the press conference after that Roosters win is, you go, there you go, you're all saying we wouldn't win a game this year, but we've stuck it up yet. Worse to that effect. Now, I don't know anyone that said that they wouldn't win a game. Mm. You know, there were a lot of people that said they would struggle. Some people that said they fi- finished towards the bottom. But I didn't know. I don't know. I, I can't remember one single quote where they said they will not win a game. But he has convinced the players that, and they've recruited uh, that there is not a lot of depth there. But the players they have recruited are winners, and they know they know how to win, and they know how to train and prepare to win. Uh, the Bromwich brothers and Felice Confusi. Now, Felice Confusi, you only have to see how he's performing to know how Wayne gets players up and get, gets them firing. Felice has, Felice has cleaned out more players in the last two weeks than he did in his whole Melbourne Storm career. He, put, he hit old cheesy fries Brandon Smith in the first game. Like, I mean, they're supposed to be mates, and he's cleaned him out, and he's still... Brandon's still struggling with a rib injury, and he hit Hudson Young last week and bent Hudson in half. And so, you know, they're they're a really really good story. How will they go? Look, fellas, like I don't want to give Wayne any more ammunition. I do see them as a middle middle table team. I, I think if they can finish somewhere, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, I think that's an outstanding start. Depth is going to be the concern. Jerry Jerry Marshall King is out this week, serving a two week suspension. Uh, it will start to impinge on them, mm. uh, the death problem. We're talking to Matty Johns out of Australia. Matty, someone who will be very close to your heart and, and also New Zealand, really, because he's a Kiwi, Caelan Ponga. 
Um, there's a lot of concern yeah. around uh, young Mr. Ponga. A number, I think it's six or seven, six concussions, I think, for such a young man, but such an unbelievable talent. A very difficult management process for Caelan. Oh, yeah, very, very difficult. It's it's tough because he's such an outstanding young bloke. And, you know, I, I've had a, quite a bit to do with Caelan with him being a Newcastle boy and his personal friends with my oldest son. And it's always, you, you know, like, I, I think we've got a responsibility to just be careful how we talk about this. Mm. Like, there's been a lot said in the Australian media. So, you know, saying things like, well, one more and his career could be over, mm. things like that. Like, that's just not... Talking to Boyd Cordner... Uh, you know, in retirement after what he was going through. And he suffered a lot of concussions towards the end. And he got really emotional talking about every time he picked up a paper or turned on the radio or watched the news, people were going, the bloke's got to retire. Mm. And he said it just, he said it just caused him and his family uh, so much angst. And he said the worst thing about it, he said, I can't, he says, I cannot tell you. He said, the anguish I would feel where I'd be out there playing and suddenly I'd come to and realise I'd been knocked out again. Wow. And he said, I just knew for the next month that I'd be telling, I'd hear people saying, well, told you so, he's got to give it up. Mm. So in the Kalen situation, I, you know, I'm always very, very guarded talking about you know, what's next, but you know, he's going to have a little bit of time out of the game. I think, I think in the meantime, like he's going through a transition moving into the front line and a lot of a lot of defence is intuitive. Like when you get a guy running towards you, and at the last minute a big guy and he's using footwork, the ability to get your head on the right side and get your footwork right is something you develop over a long period of time and is instinctive. And so you can see Kalen's come to grips with that. Uh, will he move back to fullback? Uh, possibly that sort of that changes the dynamic of their recruitment a little bit. But first and foremost, you want him you want him healthy. Um, you want him okay, and you want him for Newcastle. So you want him back playing. Yeah. Hey, Matty, really, uh, really good chatting to you, mate. Just before we let you go, um, you, you did sort of mention that you, you wait six rounds before you get a real sense of uh, of teams' form and how they're going to do in twenty three. But is there a team across the first two weeks that a has really surprised you, and b that you think really ha- you know will continue on whatever trend they're on, whether that's good or bad? Uh I'll say this: uh, I've got concerns about Parramatta. They're zero and two, and the draw—it's really—it's been really unfair. The draw, how it's structured around Parramatta. Mm. Parramatta in the next, so they're zero and two. Next three weeks are so important. You don't want to be that team who made the grand final the year before. The people are waiting for you to go to the next step, and you're zero and five. But it's a—it's—it's it's a real possibility. Now, this week they got Manly, who are coming off a bye. The week after they got Penrith, who are coming off a bye. The week after that. They've got the Roosters, who are coming off a bye. Oh. So they're three difficult games to start with, but it's been compounded by the fact that these sides are going to have a two-week preparation on them. Uh, you, know, I, you know, if they can win two of the three, that is, uh, that's a 10 out of 10 mark. But, mate, there's a, probably a stronger possibility they could drop all three. So I think they're in a... They could, they could a month in, be in a fair bit of trouble. As far as uh, rapid improvements concerned, I, I did like what the Dogs did against Melbourne. And I, I think the coach is a very good coach. Like I said about your man, Andrew Webster, they both come out of the Penrith system and they're good mates. So I think, I think the Dogs can push you know, up on, you know, toward the bottom, you know, around that 8, 9, 10 region. And if they can do that, it's an exceptional season. 
Brilliant, Maddie. Awesome talking to you today, mate. I feel a little bit guilty we've held you so long for a man that doesn't have breakfast. You must be the tank. <laughs> the tanks must be empty. Well, well, boys. Let me tell you something. I haven't. I I haven't got much going on in my life. My life. My wife says to me all the time. You know, all you do is sit around drinking and watching TV. You need a hobby. And I said, well, this is my hobby, darling. <laughs> Top man, Maddie. Have a great week. We'll catch up again. Good on you, guys. Thank you.